Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 243. Oh, yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, Who fans, welcome aboard. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor who, who related. Related. Indeedy weedy. Mm. See, old uh, Jodie Whittaker's got the old singing voice out. Look at the stars. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was me, by the way, not Jodie. Um, yes, I, I see that, yeah, for uh, Children in Need, right? Yeah, it's good. <clears throat> yeah, very good cause, Children in Need. Yeah. Apparently, uh, David Tennant's done a track on there as well. I haven't heard it yet, but... He's done a Proclaimers track, hasn't he? Surprise, surprise. David but Tennant not, sings a does, Proclaimers song. He loves a Proclaimers, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I I don't mean to sound cruel, but I only know one of their songs. I didn't realise they'd done another one. Have they done loads? The procla- oh, Adam. But their only hit is Five Billion Miles, or whatever it's called. It's, it's not their only hit. And I hit. would walk my... But yeah. there was a really cool... I've forgotten what series it was. It might have been David Tennant's last one. The, the specials. Yes. On, did you see that? There was, they did this clip, didn't they? They all where did it, didn't they? They all did the 500 miles uh, singing and dancing at the end, which was really cool. And it's a really funny bit where one of the actors dressed up in the Ood costume is proper funking out. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. It was brilliant. It must yeah. have been because John Sim's in it, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, isn't it yeah. David, John Sim, and they're all sort of dancing down the corridor to 500 miles? Or, what yeah. is it called? Yes, yeah, 500 five- miles, yeah. Yeah, five yeah. billion would be quite a long walk, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would so, be. Yeah. That was a brilliant clip. Oh, that was great. Oh, that makes you think yeah. of confidential for some reason. Not too confidential. <sighs> we can't oh. say we can't we can't come across as 
you know, a lot of people sort of roll their eyes and, oh, the good old days, the good old <laughs> days of, of <laughs> they Doctor They were Who, good eh? days, though. They were cracking times. Yeah, yeah I remember those. days. Uh, I remember watching, picking up those, as I binge-watched all of those box sets for the first time, mm. watching all of those confidential um, stories. They were episodes that were really good, really yeah. good. Uh, it was almost like its own show, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, it was It was a great little sort yeah. of mini making of, I guess, I suppose. Mini behind the scenes, more like, actually, yeah. Yes. Well, I guess it was its own show, to be fair. It had its own title and everything. It just seemed more like it was more purposefully done. Mm. Had a bit of production about it, but yeah. So it was cool to um, it was cool to hear Jodie Whittaker's name. Even though it wasn't directly linked to the Doctor Who, it was still good to hear our our leading person. Mm. out there at the minute i think her and david were at the because they recorded at abbey road studios i saw some pictures of them together at the studio so it's nice to think of you know the two doctors in there doing that uh, at the same time yeah. yeah david running rubbing uh rubbing the figures in a little bit bit of salt in the wounds <laughs> he's like so what are your figures like at the minute she's like, oh, a few mil he's like oh is that all <laughs> He wouldn't. He's you got a bit nice. of catching up to do, then, didn't you, love? Hey? <laughs> he he's wouldn't too do nice. That. No, he's he's a, he's a nice man. So I hear. I jest. Yeah, he's a mm. apparently. Well, a you, you've yeah. met him, of course. Of course, yeah. I had a good old chat I, with I him. I say through gritted teeth. <laughs> yeah, I had a good old proper in-depth chat with him. It was the handshake, smile, and bugger off. Yeah. Yeah. But he did seem he very did. nice, though. He does come across as a nice guy. Yeah. Talking mm. of handshakes and buggering off, mm. I saw this YouTube clip the other day which really annoyed me. Oh. Yeah. There's a, a thing, there's a, a movement at the minute within Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm. And there's a seems to be a very big backlash towards Disney and Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy. And a lot there's a growing fan uh, pool of, of people that are just destroying everything that they're saying about Star Wars because they hate hated The Last Jedi and all that. Oh, right. And all that. And there was a guy, and there was there's a, a very popular YouTube channel called Geeks and Gamers. And essentially, it's just one or two guys on there that just destroy everything to do with official Star Wars stuff. Anyway, they were at this convention. I think it was New York Comic Con a week or so ago. And there was one guy who was with him, and he runs his own YouTube channel. I can't remember the name of it. And they had come out of the Chris Eccleston panel that he did there. Yeah. And they were laying into him. Very heavily. What, Chris? Yeah. They bait the, the crux of their message was, if you see Chris Eccleston at a convention, just ignore him. Don't pay him any money for autographs or pictures. Don't go and see his panel because they, they, they think anyway that he's ignored fandom for many, many years. And now that he's feeling a bit lonely and needs the money, all of a sudden he's back on, he's on the convention circuit and, mm. you know, he's scamming fans out of things. They were like, where were you 10 years ago when everybody was asking for, for Chris Eccleston to turn up at conventions and now you need the money, you come crawling back. And and I was thinking, come on, where are you guys getting this from? Well, if they'd been to his panel, they might know the reasons why he's been um, so distant from Doctor Who. Um, because I think, you know, uh, if you sort of think about it on sort of face value, you know, going back in time before, you know, we know the facts behind things, you might think it, it did appear like he just 
didn't want to know Doctor Who. But then he's been very honest and frank recently about why he left and why he's had to have a you know massive break from it and his bad feelings toward the BBC. And there was a lot of stuff went down behind the scenes that's only really recently come to light. He was going through some really bad health problems, uh, mentally and physically. Uh, so maybe they should go to his talk before they say these things and they might appreciate more why he's suddenly come back. And he's, you know, I mean, the, the talk I saw him do was was brilliant. He was so honest and frank and he said how proud he was of his time on Doctor Who. Um, but he's, he's also very honest. I mean, he was also asked, I don't know if it's the same convention, but he was asked uh, yesterday or at the weekend at one of his talks if he'd ever considered doing Big Finish. And straight away he went, no, I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I know that's not the answer you want to hear, but no, I'm very proud of my 13 episodes. But that's it. I'd, I've, I've walked, you know, I've walked away from Dot Two. I, I won't be doing Big Finish. And I thought, okay, he could have lied and said, well, we'll see. Who knows what the future holds? And no, he's, you know, he says it as he sees it. Um, I mean, I, I take that kind of a pinch of salt anyway because we. All, he said about two years ago. He'd never do conventions. <laughs> so, exactly. You know, we yeah. all change our mind on things. And, um, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't think he's back just for the money. He seems like quite a on-the-level guy to me, um, you yeah. know, yeah. from the talk I saw him do and having met him and stuff. And, um, yeah, he's going through a lot of stuff back then. So, so yeah. And I don't think it's a money thing because he's been in regular – he's always been in regular work since Doctor Who. He's never once – like uh, been a recluse and all of a sudden he's made a comeback he's always been in things he's always worked mm. so i don't think it's a money thing but even even if that's the case you know that's down to chris eccleston to do even if he did suddenly decide you know i, I want to come back and do some conventions then what, what the beep does that matter you know if the guy's changed his mind and wants to come back and do conventions then then great who, who is anyone to to question him on that even if he yeah. said years ago i'm not going to do conventions and then now he's doing them. So what? <laughs> Who cares if he wants to do them? Then crack on, mate. <laughs> Go yeah. and do them. I'd be the same if you know. If I said something on this podcast, like you know, I hate a particular doctor, and then like two or three years later, I'm like, oh, I'm watching this doctor now. I really like it. That's fine. You know, even though I said that, you know, years ago, my opinions change, my mind's change. So that's completely fine. Exactly. I was going to say, opinions do change. Exactly. You know, yeah. this is, that's part of life. I mean, I'm you know, not trivialising it, but I'm thinking back to the episode Midnight, the Tenant episode. I remember I hated that on the first watch. And if you were to ask me then, I'd be like, God, it was like an awful episode <laughs> of EastEnders in space. Everyone's shouting at each other. Oh, it was terrible. When we rewatched it for the podcast, I was sat there thinking, this is really good. I like, I can't believe how much I'm enjoying this. You know, sometimes, you know, things are just different when you reflect on them and stuff. So, yeah. you know, you, people are allowed to change their opinion. <laughs> yes. As the 11th doctor said in his regeneration, change is good. You've got to keep moving. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> I had that with McCoy. Couldn't stand yes. McCoy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, yeah, God, when you I love McCoy now. When I first started watching McCoy, I was like, what the frick is this? Mm. What is going? Why did they, I can see why you know, I had my, um, my grumpy old man hat on. I was like, well, I can mm. see why they, why they axed it. If it's, if it was like this, yeah. could, but then <laughs> the more I watched it, my opinion changed. And now it's a complete 180 on that. So mm. Chris, I know you listen. Just ignore all, all of that stuff, mate. Just if you want to do conventions, even though you said you didn't want to, then 
Then sod everyone else. Crack on, mate. I, I was going to say, one thing I've noticed about Chris in the few times I've seen him is he, he seems to be able to stand up for himself. Like um, a woman in the audience, literally as they were trying to wrap up when I saw his talk, started going off on one. <laughs> and no one could quite work out what she was getting at, but she sounded angry. And Chris <laughs> just said to her, like, sorry, have I done something to offend you? Like, what is it? Like, you know, he was just, he's, he's straight in there. Do you know what I mean, there's none of this sort of, you know, um, oh, sorry, what, what, what's the problem? You know, he's like, what have I done to offend you? He's like straight in there. Yeah, um, same with that autograph dealer that was chasing him down the road three or four times until Chris was like, do you want to fight, mate? <laughs> and he actually said that. He goes, do you want to fight? Because you're going to get one if you keep hassling me. I've already signed for you. You're not getting any more. And I was like, yeah, you tell him, Chris. No, he can stand up for himself. Yeah. yeah, he can look after himself. Don't worry about it. He can do But also, that you. makes him sound like he's a really nasty... He's not... He's a, he's a very... He comes across as a very nice guy. But uh, he's, he's just got that sort of northern, you know, no-nonsense, says it how it is kind of way. And I like that. You know where you, you, know where you stand with him. Indeedy. Yes. Yeah. I've still not got around to reading much of his book. I've just had no time lately. And I'm massively looking forward to getting stuck into that actually um but so yeah i haven't had much much time it's sort of sat there waiting to be <laughs> you know on that pile of all the other books that i've got yeah. of course yeah but that's in on the, the top actually that is one i'm really looking forward to reading yeah. oh good good yeah. since last week the only thing i've done is after i watched uh, hungry earth and cold blood for our review mm. this always gets me and I, I've, I've caved in this week um when i watched the next time trailer once we finish watching a review, sometimes the next the next time trailer sort of pulls me in, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I remember this yeah. one." And it's uh, Vincent and the Doctor after Cold Blood, yeah. and it's cool because we reviewed it. So I thought, actually, yeah, I haven't seen this one in a while, so I just left the disc in and and uh, and just watch Vincent and the Doctor. I tell you what, mate, even now, just end up blubbering like a bloody it's, baby towards it's the end a of very that good episode. That yeah. I mean, it's so beautifully shot as well. It's funny you say that because I let the disc. I didn't watch the whole episode actually because I, I had stuff to do, but um, I kind of let it drift on to the next one. And that opening shot of just the wheat blowing in the wind yeah. in the field, and I was like, it's, it's everything about it and the colours in that episode. It's a, it is such a good, good story. That one I like it a lot. Um, I was also I'm going to come to this in review. Actually, I, was, I couldn't, I can't remember what happens to Rory. <laughs> oh. I'm like, how does he come back? Oh, yeah. I really can't remember, but I'll come to that in the review. We'll we'll talk about it more when we get to it. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead. Um, yeah. yep. Have you been watching much of your season 23 yet? Uh, no, mate. No, I've not. No. I've not picked it up at all. Oh, right. No, it's been so sat I, on I've the be, shelf. Yeah. I've been working through that. Um, it's, it's great, actually. I've still got. This is what I love about those sets. They are just rammed to the rafters with so many extras. I love them. Um, and I, yeah, I've been watching the behind the sofas, which I've been really enjoying. I watched a couple of the extra features, which I talked about on last week's podcast, which I really enjoyed. So I've still got loads to watch. There's an interview with Bonnie Langford and Matthew Sweet, which apparently is, is awesome. Um, I really like him as an interviewer anyway. Um, and Bonnie, you know, uh, despite what people might think about the character of Mel and stuff, uh, she's great on Big Finish. She really, they, you know, as usual, they really fleshed out Mel's character. Um, but Bonnie Langford is seriously one of the nicest people uh, you could meet. She's so genuinely lovely. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the, to watching that interview with her. Um, so I've got loads to watch. I've got that. I've got the Doctor Who cookbook thing that they do on there. You know, where they get all the actors to to cook the recipes that they 
made back in the 80s when that book was released and yeah i've got loads still to watch but um i'm loving it that set is just i mean i'm not the biggest fan of that particular trial of time lord series i i like it but i don't love it it's not like you know the mccoy set that's coming out hopefully before christmas that i will just oh will just devour because i love mccoy um but the extras on this set are brilliant uh, i haven't really done my channel so i did um I uh, did have a nice delivery of my Robert Harrop Cyberman. I don't know if you saw my pictures. I did. Very nice. Um, yeah. So I love those figurines, as regular listeners will know. And um, they're doing this series of four figurines from Tomb of the Cybermen. So they did like, the, this might sound odd, but they did the Cyber Controller's door. And I was thinking, what? <laughs> but what it is, is it's basically the, you know, the famous emblem of the sort of cyber head symbol that's on his door that he comes out of it yes. it's that and it it's hard for me to describe it. it's such a lovely i've seen it i've seen it yeah. piece it looks good and then they, this one that's just arrived is one of the cybermen from that and he looks fantastic in hand absolutely beautiful um and then they're doing the cyber controller with his big old dome head he's coming out next <laughs> and then the final piece in this little sort of mini run that they're doing is um is like a sort of what would you call it um, well it's cyber mats but they're sort of coming down a little chute <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So they've built the shoot and they're going to put some side muscle. I just just loving it, mate. That's it. So that dropped through the door earlier. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and the only other thing I've done really, and it's sort of tenuously <laughs> linked to Doctor Who because Joe Lister's involved in it, um, is I watched the first episode of the remake of the Demon Head Master last night. Now, do you remember watching this back in the day? I love this back in the day. I thought you might. Mm. That's why I thought I'd mention it. So have you watched this new one? Because it's only just it come was, out. No, I didn't know it was coming back, mate. No. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure exactly what Joe Lister's involvement is. I mean, obviously he's a writer, so he's in there somewhere. Um, and there's another lady whose name escapes me. She's sort of been the main one to sort of rewrite bits and stuff. But um, yeah, it so episode one's on the iPlayer now if you liked the original series like I did and it sounds like you did um it was really good I they just somehow have managed to capture that feel of what TV was like when I was a kid I can't really explain it but I know you'll know what I mean when you watch it it's it's just the music and the way it's filmed and it was just like because when I was a kid growing up to be fair we had some amazing tv i mean our our kids progress back in the day were just pretty are the good old days again but you know (laughs) they were i don't know they just had a quality about them that was amazing um and this i don't know they seem to have just captured a bit of that uh it was yeah it's good it's well worth watching kind of has a bit of a sarah jane vibe to it in that it's sort of um a kids program but i didn't feel like it was childish right it felt like i was quite sort of content watching it as an adult so yeah, give it a watch, mate. Good casting as the new headmaster. I forget the guy's name, but um, yeah, it's good. But the original series was as creepy as anything, wasn't it? For a kid's show. I was going to say, for a... It was creepy. Yeah, for a kid's show, it was really creepy. Yeah, especially the, the headmaster guy. But Yeah, so give that a watch, mate. I think you'll like it. Next year is going to be a big one to judge if a, a reboot has worked in terms of children's shows, which is I, the, the Wurzel Gummidge reboot. I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited about it, and I'm also very scared because we love it so much. Yeah, I, I can imagine Pertwee's looking down, thinking, do not screw this up. No. Mackenzie, <laughs> if you screw this up, there's going to be trouble. I know. I'm, <laughs> I am very excited for that, I must admit. Because um, yeah. if, <laughs> if you want to see creepy, again, sort of creepy, brilliant children's television, go and watch the original series of I mean, it's fantastic, isn't it? We both love it. 
Uh, but there is some scenes the in that that I'm like, God, this is harsh. Like, there's a bit where a scarecrow is getting ripped to shreds and arms and limbs are flying everywhere. And it's, but it, it's brilliant, though. I'm making it sound like it's horrific. It's brilliant, seriously. Original Worlds of Gummage. Yes. And they did a, I don't mean to bang on because it's not a Gummage podcast, but. No, we will do one one day. One day. One day. <laughs> on their Facebook page, I saw a link to a YouTube video that they filmed an anniversary video and it had the original oh, cast back it's so lovely it is actually yeah I'm just, i i saw that as well i watched it a couple of times like straight off the bat i watched it and then i watched it again yeah. and again um you can the amount of love that's gone into that because the music apparently i assumed it was they just used the stock music from the original all re-recorded but it sounds just like it did yeah. back in the day oh it's amazing the way it's shot as well it just looks like an episode from back in the day doesn't it and the bit that got uh, me and i bet it's the same for you is when she finally goes up to gummage he's got his back to her in the field and you're like how are they going to do this then because obviously it would have been john pertwee back in the day and he turns around and you just oh i'm not going to say anymore but it's like how are they what are they going to do it yeah, was brilliant it's lovely yeah. it's yeah really really nice Ah, oh, the good old days, eh? <laughs> Story all sounded old. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's enough waffle. Yeah. Uh, shall we land the TARDIS and crack on with some news? Yeah. Doctor Who magazine celebrates a birthday this week. The big one. The big Four zero forty years. Forty years. Doctor Who has been Doctor Who magazine has been on the shelves and it's still on the shelves yeah. today. Yes, I saw it in W. H. Smith's day before yesterday. Actually, the Tom Baker cover. Mm. Uh, it looks really good, and uh, yeah, it began life as. I'm not going to go into too much detail because probably a raft of our listeners already know this stuff. But uh, back in 1979, on the 11th of October. The very first Doctor Who magazine, known as Doctor Who Weekly back then, uh, was published for the first time. And like the current one, it had Tom Baker on the front with mm. a Dalek. Looks very good. And it cost you. It would have cost you back in the day the the very outrageous sum of twelve p. Twelve p. Twelve p a week for the and bear in mind that was the official. <laughs> Officially approved BBC Doctor Who magazine. So mm. it was it was legit and still is. So, yeah. And then I think, when was it? It turned monthly in the 80s. Yeah, so issue 45, it changed from weekly to monthly. And that's the format that it's been ever since. And now we're on, what's coming up? 4544? Is the next one? Is it? Yes, I think so, yeah. Something like that. And uh, and then it was took over by, it was taken over, sorry, by Panini Comics in the 90s and yeah i think there's a special anniversary edition that's the next one isn't it the anniversary one yeah it's coming yeah. out uh well actually will we'll have come out on the thursday before <clears throat> this podcast goes yes. out yeah yeah so um i've said before i don't actually subscribe to the magazine anymore i did uh, a few years ago but i stopped my subscription but i know that you my good man you have got tons of these you, you still subscribe don't you I I still subscribe. Yeah, I was just thinking how amazing. I mean, to 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 do that as a weekly when it first came out. How the hell did they find enough 
Uh, well, I suppose, I don't know, I'm just thinking the content they must have had to have put together to get that out every week. Uh, I'm not surprised they went monthly, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of like us with the podcast as well, where we're trying to find news to do it every week. It must have been quite a mission, but um, yeah, I still subscribe to this, and I still love it in a way. I mean, I, you know, I think... You know, I don't read it from page to page like I used to, I, but I still always look forward to it arriving. Um, although I often moan about the condition it arrives in and people <laughs> people who follow my Twitter are probably thinking, oh, but you're always moaning about it. Yeah, because it, it often arrives all battered and damaged, but that's nothing to do with the actual content of the magazine. I still love getting Doctor Who mon- uh, monthly. Um, and the subscribers get a subscription textless free cover, which is why I've continued to, to get it rather than buy it in the shop. Um B, if I wasn't a subscriber, I would still buy it every month. I just, I just, I don't know. There's something about having one out every month. I just always look forward to seeing what it's going to have. Uh, the anniversary issue looks really good. Um, I think it's coming with a free Doctor Who DVD, but nobody, they're not saying what's on it, so we don't know. Um, but that should be quite cool, and it's going to have lots of other little goodies in it as well. So, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's quite amazing, actually. I think magazines now you know to have a um a physical magazine on the shelf like anything in a physical format doesn't sell anywhere near as much as they used to um you know and they do do it as a digital format for those who prefer digital uh, i'm old school so i like you know i like to have the real thing but it is amazing that 40 years later they're still going it really is we shouldn't like underestimate that because mm-hmm. magazines just don't sell like they used to. So to be still <clears throat> still going fairly strong uh, 40 years later is is a good achievement, a really good achievement. Um, and I'm glad they still are. <clears throat> yeah. I, yeah, I really am. Yeah. Sounds like I'm welling up. I'm not. I've just got a, <laughs> just got a really croaky throat. Um, That's what but, he says. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, a, a dust in my eye. <laughs> but no, it's really, really cool that they're, they're still still get, getting a, a magazine on the shelf every month. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. So you, Yes. Happy birthday. You cherry pick it out. You buy the, you know, you buy the odd one here and there. Yeah, I pick them out. Yeah, I'll, I'll get the anniversary one. That looks good. Yeah, I'll definitely get that one. Yeah. 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 What do you reckon the free DVD will be? They haven't told us. It's... Hmm. It might what be. What could it be? Could it be the new mission to the unknown, do you think? It could be, actually. Yeah. Oh, could have that on there. I yeah. forgot to ask you if you'd watch that yet. I have. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? They've done a cracking job with like, that. Like, it could be. Well, I mean, I haven't seen the original, but yeah. it it's done just like the episodes were done back then. I, I'm amazed how well they've put that together. Yep, the camera movements and uh, even subtle little things like the way the like the opening bit where the camera uh, moves away, like through the leaves and stuff, and then just those subtle little things that you had back in the day where you've got the camera focused on the, your actors, but then it kind of moves a little bit into frame and then comes out a bit and there's a slight little blurriness every now and then they've, they've nailed all those little details from early yeah. BBC um, black and white stuff. It's really well done. Yeah. Really quite incredible. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, while we're talking about that, I'll ask the listeners because if I had one little nitpick, cause I, I thought it was amazing by the way, the music they would have used in the original, is that the music that was in the original episode? Cause it, it, it was a bit dun dun dun. I was like, <laughs> Oh, is that, um, but, um, I but, don't yeah. know. I'm just curious if that was the original music. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but a, a fantastic production, and um, yeah, absolutely kudos to the guys and people that put it together. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Right, moving on to some sad news. I'm afraid, and this is um, bizarre, really, because this 
this ties into the story we're reviewing today. So sadly, Stephen Moore, um, the actor, has died away, has died at the age of 81. Uh, Stephen was actually in the episode we're going to be reviewing today. He starred as uh, Silurian Eldane in, in the two-parter we're reviewing. Um, not that you'd really know because of all the mask and prosthetics he had to wear, um, but when you see him, this is, an, this is a, one of those actors, I don't know about you, mate, but when I saw the name Stephen Moore, I was like, mm, don't, mm, no, it doesn't ring a bell. And then I see his face and I'm like, oh, him. Mm-hmm. He, he's yeah. been in, he pops up in lots of things over the years. He's, he's one of those faces you, you would recognize. Um, he was also the voice of Marvin, the paranoid android in, um, in the Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV series and the radio series. Um, he was also in... Uh, the Queen's Nose. Do you remember that? I do. Yep. I I used to love that. That was a, awesome. That's going back again, back in the good old days. Uh, <laughs> he played George Mole in the TV series of Secret Diary of Adrian Mole. I remember watching that as well. Uh, so he's done lots of things, loads of theatre as well. Um, and sadly, as I said, has passed away at the age of 81. Yeah, sad news. Yeah. 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 Uh, but we don't have um, any more news. That's it for news. But we do have a couple of cool bits of merch stuff mm. to talk through. So let's have a look. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know that to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now. Here to help. I hope we do get a Viking helmet one week to re- to review. That'd be amazing. <laughs> there you are, boy. What do you think of that? <laughs> the unofficial Doctor Who annual, the 1987 edition, is on the way. You might remember many moons. Well, a, f- a few months earlier on in the year, I think, we spoke about this company. I can't remember the uh, exact episode, but the, the distributors are... I think I fudged this last time as well. Terracuous, Terracuous, Terracuous distributors. <laughs> Essentially, the guys that <laughs> redid for us the the previous Doctor Who, Doctor Who annual. It was the nineteen seventy two, I think. I think so. Yeah. So it's ones that basically yeah. were not released at the time, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they've um, put this together for us, and then the next one is the 1987 release, which Ooh. is going to be. It's not out yet, but I think it's out a little bit later in the year. But essentially, yeah, this is just a fan-made project, a non-profit. So this is not for sale, and. Uh, but you can download, I think last time I downloaded it through their actual website, you can download it as a PDF, I believe. And just to give you some blurb on this, so it proved, so the last one, when they did the 1972 version, apparently that proved really popular, much more than they anticipated. Mm. And everyone said to them, so what one are you going to do next? And they said, well, uh, we love the Sixth Doctor, so the decision to do another classic-style annual was very easy. This time, continuing from where World distributors finish their run of doctor who annuals oh, okay so this is when that particular company he used to do those annual stops they've obviously picked up there and they say as children growing up in the 80s collecting these wonderful books a lot of fans were disappointed when after 21 years the annual stopped those original 28 books including two omnibus 
four Dalek annuals and a K9 annual hold so uh, such fond memories that we felt the need to celebrate. So like our previous release, we have been blessed by the kindness of such well-known names from the worlds of Doctor Who, such as Fraser Hines, Alistair Pearson and David Howe. And they've all contributed to this publication, joining a large number of Doctor Who fan, writers and artists. And we are so grateful to everyone who has supported the project. So if you're into your classic Doctor Who annuals from back in the day, and some of them were amazing, let's be honest. I love the artwork on some of them, yeah. Annuals, not just Doctor Who, but annuals can be a little bit hit and miss, I find. Some of them can be really good, and they're they're packed full of really cool stuff. Other ones can be a little bit, oh, that doesn't look great, and you can tell that it's a bit of a rush job and the content in there is not too great. I think the last annual for Doctor Who wasn't amazing, if I'm honest. I think just from cool. a, have you have you seen have you seen the new one? It's, it looks uh, about ten pages. It's yeah. so thin. It's not great, is it? And no. I think the last one, the last uh, sorry, the one, the current annual as it stands now, it looked like yeah, some kind of you on about that green one? Yeah, the in, like an, an intern who's only just installed Photoshop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they were given the task of coming up with the with the annual it didn't look good at all however i'm a big fan of a lot of these old ones and the, the, some of them are just so cool so the pearly ones are lovely yes they are mm-hmm. the, the artwork on some of those early ones is great as well because it's not a photograph on some of them it's a proper piece of artwork mm. they look amazing it, it's weird how forgiving we are as well because i think people are so quick to pick up on mistakes in terms of like artwork now it's like oh the windows are all wrong and that's wrong and yet it's weird because a lot of that's things we love about the old annuals we're like oh look at the TARDIS on that one it's got like 17 windows but it looks great you know it's like so it's weird isn't it how forgiving we are about because it has that sort of charm of oh back in the day they didn't get stuff right but because it's all hand drawn and stuff we love it and it you know as i said some of the perky ones are great that there's a couple that i haven't got and they go for really well i wouldn't say silly money because they're beautiful but they go for a lot on ebay um but i'd love to get hold of some of the some of the ones i'm missing um you can get i know they are going to do like uh what what do they call it print on demand for this one uh, which i think they did do for the last one as well so if you want your physical version of it (laughs) like i would uh, then you can get it but um yeah it's nice it's just nice that they're filling in gaps you know yeah it looks so good put, put rubbers, yeah. yeah so you do have to pay for that obviously if you want the print yeah. if you want that one then which is completely fair enough it's all good um yeah i got the last one it was very very cool not as a, a print but yeah it was really good so um we'll stick a link in the show notes to um there they don't have an official site but they do have a facebook page so mm. we'll stick a link to that and you can check it out it's um yeah it looks very good it does. Right, moving on. So this is not a piece of merch, but it's a, a fantastic piece of merch news. Um, so there's a new retailer opening up, uh, not just online, but an actual stall uh, of, of selling only officially licensed Doctor Who stuff. Um, and what I love about this is it's setting up stall in the central London, in the middle of central London. So it's going to be nice and easy to get to. So they're setting up stall in Covent Garden in London. Uh, well, nice and easy if you live in the UK, I guess. I mean, <laughs> not so good if you're listening to our US or, or Oz listeners. Sorry, guys. But um, yeah, if you're in the UK, this is going to be great. So they're going to set up this stall. It's going to sell just officially licensed Doctor Who products. They are also going to be selling these online. Um, and 
we we were discussing this before we started the podcast because this to me this has come out of nowhere. I didn't know anything about these guys launching this site. I don't know if they're going to be selling. Like, is it going to be a trade stall, or I don't know where they're getting the dot two merch from, or how they're going to monitor it. But I do know uh, that the site is launching um, with a small collection of around fifty pieces, which will expand and evolve as new stock arrives. Um, you can register to get access to the site early and get twenty five percent off. So I, I don't know. Is this going to be exclusive? I'm really not sure at the minute, but it's quite exciting uh, to see what these guys are going to be doing. Uh, it's I don't know if they're working with the BBC with this, do you think? Uh, yes, I think. Um, so the the company is called The Time Meddlers, which yeah. is a very cool name. And just a couple of things that are very that sound very good about it. So mm. going on from Adam's point about the BBC, they the only thing that they mention about working with the BBC is that uh, all of the all of the products that they're going to be selling because they're BBC licensed, that means that any of the factories in which these goods are produced, they will be audited by the BBC. Mm. So that's to make sure that all the conditions are met officially. So things like uh, worker safety, they're being paid fairly, all of that stuff. So that's kind of cool. And the other thing is, for me, that's really good, is it's the first time that... uh, a retailer is launching with a slightly different game plan than what you would normally expect. So here in the UK, over the, I'd say over the last 10 years, if you go to any of sort of main towns or cities in the UK and walk down any of the high streets, it's not like it was, this is, there's definitely a theme to this week's show, but back the in the good, good old, old days, days <laughs> uh, any of the high streets and town centers in some of the towns in the UK and cities, they were they had lots of just lots of shops that sold everything basically you could go to any uk town find clothes shops toy shops you know the whole thing if you go to any of those now you'll find a lot of shops have closed down lots of places where they've got signs up to let you know it's just it's a it's a bit of a a sad show to be honest with you so what these these guys have done is they've said look we're not just going to go straight into a proper shop and start paying high rent and we're not you know so they they've going to set up as adam said at the covent garden uh, it's actually at the covent garden uh, jubilee market so it's going to be a market stall there anyone that's been to the covent garden market it's really really cool it mm. although it's a market it's not like a it's not like a cheap little decorator's table <laughs> with just an a4 sheet of paper that says the time you know it, it the the covent garden market is very up market should i say it's quite a posh um, market so it's going to be a re- i can imagine it being a really nice looking stall and so on so based on that it's obviously going to be cheaper than just renting a proper high street shop and they're going to do the online thing as well which is good and they are going to ship worldwide so that's all good yeah. as well and then the other thing is uh, all of the one of the things that they they're quite keen on is to make sure that everything is done ethically and sustainably. So that means that all of their products will never be wrapped in plastic. Uh, all their t-shirts will come in hundred percent recyclable cardboard. And yeah, so all of that, all of the packaging is being designed and developed uh, with the manufacturers. So they're working together to make sure that it's all sustainable and all of the goods sent out will also every, everything, everything's going to be recyclable in terms of packaging as well. So 
I love this, mate. I think this is such a good idea. And Adam and I were talking last week off air about another Doctor Who shop based in London. And essentially we said, I'm going to speak for myself here. I'm not going to speak for Adam unless he wants to. But my opinion on this (laughs) other shop in London, which is called The Who Shop, I just feel like they don't do themselves many favours with some of the policies that they have in their shop. And we were saying that if we had a Doctor Who shop in London, we would do things quite differently and we feel like we could, you know, make a, a better go of it. And then these guys pop up and they're doing some of the things that we spoke about. Mm. And it's just really, really good to see. It's good to see another option. So if you want to go, if you're in London and you want to go shopping for Doctor Who merch, this is obviously a great option for you to go to. So before you had to travel out quite far to go to another Doctor Who shop. But as Adam said, this is central. So it's just great that it's popped up out of nowhere. There's no big fanfare. They've got this discount code. We'll put a link to the show notes in that as well. It's all good stuff. I assume that they'll see us there pretty regularly, <laughs> I yeah. would say, mate. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this. I'm just so intrigued about what they've what they've actually got and what they're going to be getting and and what the store's going to consist of and stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And it's very close to Forbidden Planet. It's very close to uh, a pub I like to go to right next to Congan. So it's kind of perfect. Um, yeah, I'm, very, I'm actually quite excited. So when do they, when does the store open? Is it from, is it now or when are they opening? No, so it's, it's going to open officially on the 5th of November. 5th of November, that's easy to remember. <laughs> yep, but you will get, they are doing, like Adam said, a pre-launch sale where you get 25% off and that runs from the 1st of November to the 3rd. So once they've got that pre-launch sale done, then they will launch officially. I think it is on the, yeah, on the 5th of November. So yeah, that'll be all good. And again, we'll stick a link to it. Um, or if you just go to timemeddlers.co.uk, that's their holding page at the moment. It's just put your name and email address in and then you'll get a confirmation email saying that we'll send you your code on the first or somewhere between the first and the third. So yeah, excited about this one, dude. Uh, yeah, we're de- I, we'll have to try and I was saying like, I know things are going to be mad leading up to Christmas and it'll be here and gone before we know it, but it'd be really cool. We'll have to try and see if we can get up there before Christmas. That, just have a little look. Uh, if we can sort out a day, it'd be good. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent stuff. So that's it for news and merch. Review time, that is, bud. That is it. So, yeah, we're on to an 11th Doctor story this week. Uh, a two-parter uh, written by the Chris the Chibnall uh, called Hungry Earth, Cold Blood. What's that? The ground feels strange. <laughs> the graves around you eat people. My death shall ignite a war, and every stinking ape shall be wiped from the surface of my beloved planet. Those trace minerals weren't X marking the spot saying, Dick here, they were a warning. Stay away. Because while you've been drilling down, somebody else has been drilling up. Humans won't give up the planet. So we destroy them. There are fixed points through time where things must always stay the way they are. Prepare them for execution. This is not one of them. This is an opportunity. The future pivots around you. Here. Now. 
What are you doing? Protecting our race against the apes. This is war. This ends here. No! It only ends with our victory! Give me back my family! Executor! Stay back! <laughs> that music those trailers are so good they are good I was just loving because like, you put on the DVD menu and it's got that dun, 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 dun. It's, it's just all over it and it's, it's such a catchy piece but I'm sick of it oh no I love it <laughs> no I'm not no. no I do like it but you know what I mean it's like I don't know I remember the first time I heard it just thinking oh what amazing theme I love that <laughs> And then it's just like it just got played to death, didn't it? But it is a great piece of music. Yeah, no, I read you. Yeah, dun, series dun, five dun, and six, dun, they dun, dun, used it every five minutes. It felt it's like any time any action kicks in. Yes, any time he comes. runs off, it's Murray Quick. It's a fight scene. Oh wait, hang on, they're running down the corridor. Murray Quick. Yeah, oh yeah, hang on. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. The plot then for this two-parter is thus: it's the year twenty twenty, nearly, and. The this company in South Wales. This is a very Welsh episode as well. Uh, story. Yeah. Uh, this company in South Wales have conco- concocted this plan to drill super, super deep into the Earth's crust. And I think they've at the time when we pick up at the story, they've they've drilled down twenty kilometers or twenty one kilometers or something like that. And what they found is. While this is going on, there's been some suspicious activity with bodies being taken from graves and and whatnot. And it centers around this family and, and this company. So you've got the dad who's sort of heading up the operation with this other lady and her his daughter and her husband and their son live in the village and so on. And so it's a mining village, essentially, in Wales. That's what I'm getting at. And uh, it's now being used as a drilling thing. But what is happening is very deep down in the earth's crust a lot deeper than 21 kilometers you've got this whole big um society and a uh, huge city where the silurians are because uh, many moons ago um there was a big war between the humans and the silurians which the doctor alludes on a little bit and they were forced underground and now the, the humans have obviously claimed the surface of the planet and the drilling has disrupted a lot of the oxygen supply that the Silurians use underground. They're not happy about that, so they're drilling upwards, the humans are drilling downwards, and they kind of meet in this uh, uh, sort of show of force between the two of them. But then it evolves a little bit where the Doctor's trying very hard to sort of play peacekeeper, and he's trying to get them to talk and negotiate and say, look, you can share the planet, it's all good. Uh, let's bring the hostages back because one of one of the Silurians that attacks, they she gets held hostage, but then she ultimately gets killed by mm. uh, the mum. So the the deal's off now. So one of the military leaders for the Silurians, she's a very hot headed, you know, he's thirsty for war and stuff. So as soon as she realizes that her sister's been killed, who was the the captive Silurian, it all kicks off. The talks break down, but then this old guy, who's part of the uh, Silurian. He's like a doctor, researcher kind of guy. He, um, Eldane, who we spoke about earlier, Stephen Moore, uh, he's basically 
sees eye to eye with a doctor. He wants peace and so on. He he recognizes after um, experimenting on lots of humans and monitoring their behavior, he can see that they've changed to a degree for the better and all the rest of it. And uh, it ends with not much more change, to be honest with you. The the drilling site gets blown up. The the dad and his business partner and partner and romantic partner, it turns out, they stay underground with the Silurians so he can get his venom sorted out. And then the Doctor and just Amy uh, do the off at the end. Rory's been sucked into the time crack. After being shot. That sounds dodgy. <laughs> gets into... In, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> the Hungry Earth and Cold Blood. Mm. What do you got on this one, dude? Wow. Um, so, uh, anyone who's listened to last week's podcast might remember me saying that um, I have only ever watched this two-parter once, which is when it very first went out back in, when was it, 2010? Yes, yeah, so I forgot to do my little quick roundup. Let me do that quickly. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, it was out on the... 29th uh sorry first out on the 22nd and then the 29th of may 2010 mm. they were directed by ashley way written by the chibbers and yes yeah, got the tardis team at that moment so the doctor amy and rory and then a fairly sizable supporting cast mm. as you were mate sorry as you were, yeah so i was just say so i only watched this once um and i was sort of thinking hmm, why have i never gone back to this two-parter like it's it's unusual i don't think there are many stories that i can think of which i've literally only watched on transmission and never gone back to to watch so i was thinking oh was it was it really bad or or what and in my head i'm just thinking i can't remember anything about it so it's going to be unmemorable that's that's i'm thinking that's all i can take from the fact that i've never gone back to this one so i put it on last night um i'll admit i wasn't particularly excited to watch it i was sort of it was one of those ones, and I've said this a few times, where I was thinking, oh, I've got, yeah, I need to put that on later to watch it for the podcast. You know, it was that sort of thing, rather than like, um, so for example, next week, Sarah Jane, I'm I'm absolutely buzzing, can't wait to to get that on. But this one last night, I kept thinking, yeah, I must must watch Doctor Who in a minute. Um, oh, I'll just do this, and I'll, oh, I better sit down and watch that two-parter then. Come on, let's get this done. It was that sort of, a bit of a slog, so I was like, right, let's get this on. Um, so I put it on, and I'll admit, the first episode, Hungry Earth, it was like I'd never seen it. It was like it was like watching a brand new episode of Matt Smith's Doctor Who. I was sat there thinking that like there was nothing familiar about it apart from one bit, which is when the Amy and Rory wave to each other across the hill. They see that like their future selves and they give each other a wave. And I rem- that's the only bit that I remembered in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that bit. So I definitely watched this before. Um, and I'll tell you what, by the time I got to the end of episode one, I was quite pleasantly surprised. I thought, actually, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad at all. I, I mean, it wasn't great, but it, 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 it sort of built up and you were getting to know the characters and there was stuff going on and I was getting quite drawn into it. And Matt was being brilliant as always. I love Matt's doctor. And, um, one of the things I love about him, I just want to say straight off the bat is how he just, as soon as he walks into a situation, Matt takes control. I, I love it. That's what I want the doctor to do. He walks in, right, what's going on? Clap of the hands. Come on then, what's happening here? And then even if they don't know who he is, they're like, you know, they, they realize that this guy's going to help. And there's a scene where a kid says to him, are you going to get my dad back or whatever? And he's like, um, no question. 
And I, that, I just love Matt Stockton. You, this is why I would travel with him because you know, <laughs> even if you're going to get killed, like poor old Rory, somewhere along the way he will solve it. He will sort it out, and that that's what I love about it. So quite pleasantly surprised by the first episode. Um, rather enjoyed it actually. Didn't think it was amazing, but I enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a little undiscovered gem. Maybe I, sh-, you know, maybe this is not as bad as I thought. Get to the second one, Cold Blood. And about 10 minutes in, I was just bored. I was like, what's happened? Well, the momentum has completely dropped off. We've got some people sat around a table chatting. Amy's falling asleep on the table looking bored, which is what I am. Um, and it kind of, you know, drifted on to its weak conclusion. Then the last five minutes are suddenly really good again. So suddenly the crack starts opening. Raw has been shot. Um, the doctor's putting his arm in the crack and things are happening. And I'm thinking, oh, this is good, but it's the last five minutes of the episode and it's got nothing to do with the story before that. So everything that had come before in this two-part just seemed to be inconsequential. Is that the right word? It just didn't, nothing really went anywhere. It didn't, there was no real sort of point to the story. It was a bit of a rehash of the third Doctor story, Solarians, where the Doctor just tries to get the Solarians and, uh, you know, uh, humans to work together and become peaceful. So, yeah, it's a real mixed bag, really. I mean, I, I, sorry, I'm going on a bit. It's just that it was, um, it's a strange one, and it just didn't, it was so unfulfilling by the end. Um, but great last five minutes. I can't help but think that the moth might have just walked in at that point. As soon as that crack appeared and stuff started happening, I thought the moth's walked in the room, hasn't he? He's come in, he's over Chibber's shoulders. Chibber's just wrapping up the episode with his boring old ending. And the moth's come in and he's been like, hang on a minute. Right, the crack's coming back. What? Yeah, <laughs> move, hang on, let me, let me sit down. Let me sit down. I'm writing this bit. So the crack opens. Rory gets shot. Uh, Doctor pulls out a piece of the TARDIS sign. And I'm thinking, this is brilliant. This you know, last five minutes are, are excellent. And then Amy sort of forgets Rory because, of you know, that's what happens. He gets erased from her memory. Brilliant last five minutes. Really, like you said, really made me want to move on to the next episode to find out what happens and stuff, um, even though we don't find out what happens. But, you know, so, yeah, very mixed bag, mate. Um, enjoyed the first episode. Didn't really enjoy the second conclusion part. Just felt it was, just went nowhere, this story. Really. Mm. There's some good stuff in there, like all the moral dilemma stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Matt held it together really nicely, as he often does. Um but it just, yeah, it's just a typical Chibbers. There's no heart to it. There's no, <laughs> he never comes up with any interesting ideas. Do you know what I mean? It's always just a, like even the sort of central sort of plot of this story, which is, you know, just getting humans and Solarians to work together. I mean, it's just, it's been done, you know, is the, the third doctor did that back in 1960 or 70, whatever it was. It's like, it's not even a very, you know, that's what annoys me about Chibbers. He just never comes up with anything interesting or new it's just you know but and the humans are bad we're all bad we're all going around shooting which is true to be fair but you know yeah sorry i'm gonna let you speak now over to you (laughs) yeah so you loved it i didn't mind this one actually Mm. i wouldn't say that i loved it but i certainly didn't mind it i thought this was a good especially episode one the hungry earth i thought that was good just because it was a really decent suspenseful story that one because Mm. you had the Silurians who were you didn't get to see them properly until near the end or sort of two thirds of the way through that first story 
So they were quite, they were, you only, you only heard them, didn't you? You know, when they, that bit where the, the, you can, the doctor says they're, you know, they're coming up to the earth, you know, we need to get out of here quickly. And then when the young lads trapped outside the church and you can hear them coming, mm. that hissing sound. So that was really cool, that bit. And you didn't get, to, yeah, you didn't get to see them properly. And until they, until the doctor takes the mask off of, um, what's the character called? He gets captured. I think it is. Don't ask me. Ambrose, no, Ambrose was, I don't know. I won't remember the names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's uh, call yeah. a Silurian one. Silurian <laughs> number one, yeah. Uh, I think her name was... Oh, I don't know. Was it Ambrose or it's was that the... A... No, Ambrose was the the military lead. I thought it was Alea, that's right. That's yeah. it, Alea. Alea, yes. So you didn't get to see... And then the design has come on a long way. So if you think back to the Silurians back in the, the Pertwee story, Doctor Who and the Silurians. Mm. The design is very, very different. I, I much prefer it as well. I, I, I've, I've never really liked this design. I'll be honest with you. I've never really liked this redesign of the Silurians. Oh, you don't? I actually quite, no. yeah. Because don't get me wrong, I love the classic design. There's um, there's a, just a, a, a something cool about... In fact, there's the... What box set does that come from? I think it's called... Beneath the surface or something like that. Uh, beneath the surface. Yeah, you're right, mate. Yeah, the boxer. It's got the Sea Devils, Warriors of the Deep, and this one on there. Mm. And that is cracking because the Sea Devils look amazing, that original design. And then these look really good. But I will be honest, I do quite like these new ones purely because I think the quality of the the prosthetics and the makeup is, is amazing. Like It the, is good, yeah, in terms of that, yeah. Yeah, so... And because they're a bit more uh, streamlined as well, the actors can move, you know, quite freely in because the, they've only got makeup from the head down to the base of the neck, I suppose. Whereas in the old days, you know, the Solorians, they, I'm not, it, this is not a negative, you know, they did look a bit clumsy, but that, that was a, a the charm of most of the suits that a lot I, of the, I'm thinking of Warriors of the Deep when the the blooming costumes, uh, the neck piece is hanging out, hanging. <laughs> <laughs> not even been tucked in properly. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I get so. it. Like the prosthetics, whatever, it, it looks amazing. I, I don't know. It's just something they're a bit too human for me, and I I get right, why they've right. done that because that kind of fits in with the story and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. The missing the third eye, and <laughs> you know, where's the third eye? Then yeah. they've got to do the head wobble. Yeah, I think but, in terms of. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the scientific reasoning behind it because that would be sort of non-applicable. But I do feel like if you're going to tell a story about a race of of beings that inhabited the Earth prior to humans, uh, in this case Homo reptilia, I think, and and if their technology is is advanced way more than ours and so on, then I think you do need to have them a little bit more. Uh, not human-like, but a little bit more like they come across as intelligent beings because they're, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the Silurians in the old days with that third eye, and you know that you, you couldn't, you just couldn't imagine them coming up with really, you know, technical advancements and all that stuff. Whereas I think if you're going to have that story about two races who are going to potentially share the planet, and one of them's very technically advanced and and medically advanced as well, and all that stuff, then yeah, I just feel you need something that's not clum, not just sort of clumsily walking around and 
and that stuff. So that's my point of view. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I've got a lot of love for the old style, the old design, but I do like these new ones. I do think they're. Yeah, and I get it. While, while we're talking about the design, though, I want to ask you something because I one thing I really didn't like about the new design was this <clears throat> lizard tongue feature that they seem to have got. Where'd that come from? Oh, the venom. The ve- like this this tongue lashing thing that happens. To come. I mean, it, it looks awful. Um, it just doesn't suit my personal sort of image of the Silurian. Like I just thought that was awful. <laughs> Um, and so unnecessary as well. They've got a gun. I mean, well, what's any this lizard tongue for? But did, what, yeah, I just wondered what you thought of that because I mean, we've never had that from a Silurian before. No, and I think it's, uh, I think it's in an attempt to make them more scary. Because mm. if you think about that, the, some of those scenes in the Hungry Earth, they do the hissing sound and the sort of creepy movement and the masks that they have. That's the other thing that the original Silurians didn't have is that silver mask. I mean, uh, there is an an element here of a bit of plagiarism, a little bit, that we've seen in Doctor Who a few times, especially Modern Who, where I feel like the Silurians in this one were led by the Predator movies, especially the original Predator. So the mask that they have on their face is the, the silver metal thing. And there's that scene where you see the point of view of the Silurian with that mask on and you see the heat signature version and then it, you know, mm. you see those different things and they've literally pulled that straight out of the Predator films, which is, you know, okay, which is cool. But I do feel like it was just to try and make them come across as quite scary and, you know, they were scary when they were them. just in the shadows, I think. Like, the yeah, whole build-up yeah. in episode one was really good. I actually prefer the look of them when they've got that mask on you know i thought just because of the eyes and things i thought i I think they look better with the mask on personally i I quite like that yeah no they did look cool yeah with the mask on it was cool um but yeah i'm not sure about the guns either i mean actually i suppose actually the guns sort of fit into the class gear i suppose they look a bit like hair dryers the hair dryers yeah (laughs) big old hair dryer gun they look like something out of um Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, yeah, they do. That yeah. kind of Roald Dahl-y <laughs> design to it. Um, yeah. uh, but yes, in a nutshell, I, I really don't mind the new design. I've, I've got a lot of love for the original one. They've got a certain mm. charm, as a lot of classic Who does, but I, I think it's kind of cool. Uh, what did you think to the the idea of doing this over two parts? Do you feel like this could have been done in a one episode? or? It, well, it's weird, actually, because... When I got to the end of the first episode, because from my mem- from my very vague memory of watching this the first time, I thought it was really padded. I remember thinking, God, this is really drawn out and boring. So when I got to the end of the first episode, having enjoyed it for the most part, I thought, oh, actually, maybe this, yeah, maybe this is a good two-parter. And it's certainly, I think there was certainly enough in there to, in part one. I don't think part one struggled at all. Um, although it's interesting because nothing much particularly happens in part one but there's there's a good tension build it's a great build-up episode to part two um but it was yeah it's part two where i think it really gets padded out um really i think things could have wrapped up very a lot quicker so i don't know you probably could have condensed it into uh, one part but i think there was enough there for two parts but i just don't think it was utilized enough i mean i think the scene where they're having the discussion around the around the sort of dining room table <laughs> could have been done a lot better. 
that it's really weakly written it's really weakly acted as well actually that's the one bit i mean the rest of it i think everyone's pretty good and i think you know but that particular scene where they're negotiating is a really flat scene and it should have been quite strong because it's like the crux of the episode really is where they're trying to negotiate so um that that let it down for me and that's when it got really boring and i i think there was a few reasons for that um overall i think ashley way's direction is brilliant i, I think it's shot really nicely this episode it looks really good uh, even the effects um i think stand up pretty good in this one apart from the tongue i think that looks awful but you know the actual visuals the the settings and stuff look really good um the pa- the greens it is green isn't it because i'm kind of blind but the green colors that we get coming through um the only things that i would say which i think could have been directed better or shot better or, or let it down was that negotiation scene and the cliffhanger to episode one like i'm not sure what happened there because it's a really the way it's shot, it's a really weak cliffhanger. It's not not necessarily what's in the script because the Doctor's like, it's quite a big sort of reveal. But it's just a shot of their backs looking over. I'm thinking, I don't know, it, that, that should have been made much more exciting. Um, the fact he's like, oh my gosh, it's not just a few of them, it's a whole colony or something, he says, doesn't he? Civilization. And then we just get the, yeah. yeah, and then it just the theme kicks in. I was thinking, that, that should have been a lot stronger, that cliffhanging, because that's quite a big reveal, but... I think I would probably put that down to the way it's shot, really. So the direction, maybe, but yeah, yeah. No, I read you. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, it, I think it's um, it's one of those awkward ones for me where it could have been, it would have been a perfect part and a half. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to a two-parter. I, I think there is slightly. It would have felt rushed if they had have squeezed this into one episode. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't do that, but. I do feel like the second part, I agree with you, it does feel... It runs out of steam a bit, doesn't it? A little it? bit, yeah. It, it's certainly not as strong as the first part. But what, would, the, yeah, sorry. what would have been cool for me is to see a bit more of the defection from Eldane. Mm. Uh, you know, he has that big... Basically, him and Ambrose don't see eye to eye. She's very, right, I'm up for a scrap. He's like, no, 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 I've, I've observed them. They're not as bad, you know, calm down. Mm. He's the one that grasses on her, essentially. Calm down, dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd have loved to have seen him uh, working a bit more throughout that story with the Doctor, because when them two, are, when the Doctor and Eldane are together, they're very cool. There's that lovely moment where the Doctor puts his hand on his shoulder and says, I love you a little bit, Yeah, Eldane. It's really cool. So I'd like to have seen those guys working a bit more. That would have put a bit more into that second part. Uh, but yeah, it just feels, it does feel a bit paddy, I suppose. It just Cold feels blood. a bit, yeah, just like the pace seems to drop off. Uh, there's mm. so much brilliant build up in the first part. Um, and there's some really good, like you said about the bit with the, the kid at the doors, some really great, suspenseful, creepy moments. And uh, second part just seems to be a bit sort of plodding. Um, and also we get this weird voiceover thing in part two. We do, yeah. Which kind of did not work at all for me. It's, it's, now, correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't any voiceover in part one, was there? If there was, I didn't really sort of pick up on it. No, there wasn't, no. Um, but part two, yeah, suddenly we've got the voiceover, and it, it, that that didn't work for me at all, because especially in the middle of the episode, I can sort of I can sort of forgive it at the start, because it kind of just setting the tone, and that's all right. That, I guess that kind of works. But in the middle of the episode... <laughs> He suddenly starts telling the story, and I thought, 
I'm, I'm going to put this down to Chris Chibnall, really. Like, it's as if he couldn't really, he didn't write it to be explained through the visuals. So he puts a voiceover to tell us what's happening. And it just felt lazy to me. It did. So he's like, it, it is like, um, what's he saying? So the Silurians realize that they must go back into the chambers. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, we don't need this awful voiceover to tell us. What... Yeah, so that, that I thought was a, a misstep as well. Um, and I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the voiceover is only in part two. And it is, yeah, yeah. yeah, it just didn't it just didn't work for me at all. Uh, that yeah, I that didn't, yeah. Didn't get why we needed it. It felt cheesy and tacky, and yeah. yeah, it kind of feels like that's what you would do at the very beginning of episode two, if you wanted yeah. to do a bit of a, you know, like the old classic last week on Doctor Who. You know, like a yes, bit of a right, recap. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> like you know, up to this point, there's a bit of a narration. It was by um, uh, what was his name, uh, Richard Hope, wasn't it? Who played Malachi, mm. and. So his voice is good. Don't be wrong. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a great actor, but it just felt just shoehorned in because they didn't really have much else going on at that point in the story. You could tell it might not have been, but to me, it felt like that was a piece of voiceover that was done after the fact. So when they had gone through the edit, Yes, exactly how I felt. Yeah, yeah. it felt like they like, made. Oh, the we de- need something here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they made a decision. So like, well we can't really progress the story with because it's ironic really, because apparently this ran over, they actually had an hour's worth of footage for each, really? you know? Yeah. So they had to chop stuff out. So whatever they chopped out, they probably then thought, well, you know, this, the pacing's wrong. Something's wrong. We, we're not progressing the plot enough here. Let's do a little nice little sweepy 70s star Wars would montage it. a little bit mm. with a voiceover. So, Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't realise they'd cut stuff out. Um, that that definitely. I mean, that explains a bit about the pacing as well, because I do think I think the pacing in the first episode is pretty good, um, but I, I think it's quite uneven in the second yeah. part. So that would explain it if they sort of chopped it about a bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then going on story wise, the overall kind of thing I suppose that Chibbers was trying to put across is. There's good intention, but there's still problems. Yeah. So the human race, and so there, there are, there are, essentially the doctor's trying to say, look, the human race. There's a few bad apples, but on the whole, they've evolved a lot since you guys last met, and they've, you know, they're, they're you know, amazing people. And then you've got the same thing that's kind of mirrored with the Silurians. You've got Eldane, who's very nice, and Malika, and potentially a lot of other Silurians, they're all all good, but then you've got a few bad apples like Ambrose and stuff. And uh, he, so he's saying that, look, with good intentions, you guys should get together and talk and negotiate how you're going to share the planet and stuff. But then, you know, the the mum, the boy's mum, uh, forgotten, always forget her her name. I think her name's Mo. Could be Mo. She, I'm not sure. She ends up killing Alea. And it all falls apart. So then you have that. Well, you know, things are still not right because I think actually, I think it's actually Malika that says later on in episode two is like, we're not ready to share the planet yet. He, yeah, he, he kind of signs off the whole thing, doesn't he? When everything's collapsing and the Doctor and everyone's got to escape, he basically says, "Look, we're not ready." So I think that's what the Chibbers is trying to say. We, we're getting yeah. there, but we're not quite there yet. 
Yeah, that that I found. I mean, that is interesting. I do think there's a the, the actual moral moral dilemma of the story. I think is quite good because um, I mean that sort of mirrors, <laughs> you know. It, it show. I mean, we all know that the human race is very flawed, especially if you look at the world today. And you know that I definitely thought thought that was a good part of it, showing you know if we had to share our planet, would we? We all know that that <laughs> there are so many people out there that wouldn't. Um, so yeah, that makes us look at ourselves and question it. And that part of the story was all good, I thought. And I think Matt particularly sells that well. I think because um, as I said, not particularly original idea uh, from Chivnall there, but. I think Matt really brings that part of the script to life. His disappointment when he finds out that um, Alea has been killed, like the, the way he goes from being delighted to see them, they're here, the negotiations are happening, this is all good, <laughs> and then he sees in their face and his face just drops. Um, you know, Matt really sells that part of the story to me. I thought, oh, wow, you know, he's going to get angry now, this is going to kick off, and how's this going to resolve? So that was that was quite strong, I thought. But again, it's Matt kind of holding together the yeah, story, I he's think. He's the glue, isn't he? Yeah. He's definitely the glue. I think he's absolutely fantastic in this. Um, I, I mean, yeah, there, there are elements of the story which, like, there's a bit where they all escape from the Silurians at the end. There's about, there's about, 10 of them I think surrounded them and somehow they man I mean that was badly shot and badly written and they but again Matt's sort of humor carries the episode across and and he goes brilliantly from sort of humor to to being very serious like you could see in his face that moment that he was gonna you know his disappointment that they'd killed Alea and his his anger and frustration and just like oh you've done it again you've let me down um you know, uh, yeah, just, I think you said it best. He, he's the glue in yeah. this episode f- for me. Yeah, it was a good uh, setup as well, that bit. When when Alea is captured and she's being held in the church and then he mm. has to go off, so he leaves her in charge. He leaves yeah. he, he, he leaves the three, so is it the dad, the mum, and the, the lady, Nasreen, with them to say, look, yeah. look after her. Don't let anything happen to her. You could tell from that point that you knew. one of them was, you know, one of them was gonna was gonna buckle, but you yeah. just didn't know who at that point. And uh, yeah, and it's that the more the more I watch Matt Smith. So as we go through our reviews and we go back and watch them, every single time I watch a Matt Smith story, it just another click goes round on the dial of just his epic awesomeness as the Doctor. You know, even in some of the weaker moments, and even in some episodes from Series 7, where some of them are but not great at all, <laughs> really not great, but Matt Smith is just amazing. He's I love so his Doctor. good, you know. Yeah. So he really, sometimes, like we were saying about the second part, where it's a little bit paddy and the mm. pace goes a little bit, but Matt Smith doesn't, though. He never loses his energy and his humour and just his great ability to go from sort of happy go troutony esky you know that kind of doctor to immediately like you said that bit where they're carrying the body in and his face just immediately turns to oh no yeah i think he's i think he's got the charm of troughton yes he's got that sort of very sort of innocent charm that troughton had that you know i'm not saying they're the same but there's definitely that essence that he carries over from that that doctor, I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, he can switch it to being 
angry but without shouty, if you know what I mean. He just he's got this sort of underlying rage, uh, which Tennant also embodied, didn't he? That sort of underlying rage. But Matt's is more because he's so charming and sweet and almost a bit more innocent than Tennant. It's it's good when he switches like that, and because you can just see that. The, the sort of happy facade has dropped because it's like, oh, you've, you know, that's sort of the rage that the doctor has inside him of disappointment with trying to help these people, you know, find a resolution and they've just let him down again. And it's like, you've, you know, you stupid apes. Of course, you know, if it was Capaldi's doctor, it'd be going mad sort of thing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I love the charm of Matt's doctor. Um, I know that in previous podcasts we've given jody a hard time about waving the sonic around endlessly so i will be fair and say that um i think especially in this two-parter uh that sonic was way overused i was getting a bit sick of matt using it to be honest with you um that's about the only sort of criticism i would give about his doctor and it's, you know that's not really down to matt himself it's just the writing isn't it but i was a bit same with jody every time he got the sonic out i was like oh, for goodness sake <laughs> Stop using the Sonic for everything. Like he uses it to open doors. He uses it to um, disarm the Silurians. He uses it to take readings of the Earth. It's like I don't know. It does get overused. So I know a lot of people said at the time, you know, because we always say how much we love Matt Smith, and when we criticise Jody a lot for the use of the Sonic, um, I did notice it a lot in this two part of the. Um, that it, I think it was overused personally. No, and I'm, I'm going to no. blame Chris Chibnall. He wrote it. The Chibbers, yeah. <laughs> he seems to like the Sonic a lot. Yeah, you're right. There's a bit where he finds, you know, when the dome, when the Silurians are somehow projecting the dome over the village, he gets a Sonic out oh, and scans yeah, he gets that. a Sonic out there as well. He, he uses yeah. it a heck of a lot in this two-part. Yeah, scans people and everything. And then there's a com- comedic little moment where Rory says, use the Sonic. He's like, it doesn't work on wood. And he's like, oh, that's rubbish. Oh, don't diss the Sonic. Don't that made the, me yeah. laugh. No, that was good. Yeah. So that yeah. was cool. But then, yeah, like literally two or three minutes later, he's got the Sonic back out and yeah. he's doing stuff. He did stuff, use so. other things, though. I mean, this is the other thing I, I love about Matt Stotter. So he's got these almost Sonic shades, actually, oh, almost. Yeah, yeah. He's got these shades that he uses, but he carries them off. I think I think that's a <laughs> funny little scene because he does the whole... Something about Matt's movements is just, yeah, funny. And he also uses a catapult uh, from nowhere. He gets a catapult out of his pocket, which is, again, very bit. Troughton, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or Fourth Doctor, whichever. Um yeah, what does he, does he just pick up a rock or something? Yeah, he fires it at the dome, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was a nice moment. That's a very doctorish moment that mm. I liked as well. So, yeah, it's good to see him using other things rather than the Sonic bit. I did think it got overused, yeah. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, uh, before we get on to some characters, there's also a theme that runs through Doctor Who, and that is the Doctor's constant forgiveness mm. of humans, even when they let him down. Because there's a scene towards the end where... Mo, I'm going to call her Mo. I'm sure that's her name. When Mo is leaning against the doorway of the church, and this is everything's concluded now, and you can tell that she's feeling guilty about what's happened and stuff. Kind of, I think she's feeling kind of eighty percent guilty, but twenty percent, mm. you know, I still stand by what I did because I did it for the safety of my family, sort of thing. But the doctor's still smiling away, and he's not angry with her anymore. And he's, I think, he says something like. Just make sure that, you know, with your son, you bring him up to be the best that humans can be. You yeah. Know, don't let your failure kind of rub off on him. You know, you, you know, bring him up differently. And um, yeah, so I think that, and there's, we have that, we have it a few times as well with the tenant era. 
as well. I think Eccleston mentions it once as well. Well, basically, when he's talking to an alien, uh, any kind of alien race, and the Doctor's really trying hard. There was a, uh, I've forgotten what Tenant episode it is, and they're about to, you know, blow up the Earth or something. And he's like, "No, these they've got so much more. You know, they're very young. You know, humans are in mm. the, the the infancy of their of their time, basically, and they've got so much more to give and evolve. And the, and Matt Smith's Doctor's like that a couple of times, and this is one of those stories where. Yes, he's been let down. And he's, you know, the humans have once again shown that, you know, they can't get, you know, they can't really get it right at the moment. But he still forgives. You know, he's still happy that everything's concluded and everything's cool. So there is that mm. theme, I suppose, that subtly runs through, especially modern Doctor Who, anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I think it might be Ambrose actually. The I'm just looking through the thing. I think Ambrose is the woman who kills. Yeah. Um, the Siderian. <laughs> oh, is she? <laughs> Oh. I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I get as as regular listeners know, we mm. get very confused with the different characters' names. It doesn't matter how hard I try, either. And I think you might be the same. Like I'm watching this last night. I'm thinking, right? Yeah, I've got all their names in my head. I think I know who's who. It goes out. It goes out the window as soon as we start to record. But anyway, people will know what we mean. I'm gonna check this out. Hold yeah, because Alea's the Alea's the um. Silurian that gets killed and I think it's Ambrose that kills her. Yes. Yeah. It is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Eldane. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, Restak. Restak is her name. The Silurian that's the uh the military. The Alea's sister. Oh, gotcha. Okay. There Restak. we go. Yes. So yeah. we've got that wrong all the way through, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners won't be surprised. Well, regular ones anyway. No, of course not. No. <laughs> um, okay, some characters then. So um, the the family in Wales. I th- to be honest with you, I don't have any serious complaints really because sometimes the supporting cast in Who sometimes can be a bit hit and miss. But to be honest with you, I didn't really have any complaints. To be honest with you, I thought the, the, uh, the dad... And his partner, Nazarene, I thought they were. Uh, so is it uh, is it Tony, the the dad, or is it is Tony the older guy? Which one? The one that stops to? Are oh, you on about the kid's dad? Yeah. So the kid's dad, who he's reading to in the village at the beginning, and then he gets captured. He gets sucked through the hole. That's, so Tony's the one who's been infected, and uh, and stays uh, okay. and stays behind. He's the old guy. Tony. Oh, so Mo. Mo is the night watchman. He's the guy that gets sucked through the ground. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, Tony and Mo. So Robert Pugh, who played Tony, and Alan Reglan, who played Mo, and also um, Mira Sire, who played Nasri. And I thought those those Welsh characters at the beginning, I thought they were they were pretty good. And you also have uh, so Tony plays the the infected guide isn't he? he he's the guy that gets whipped by one of the solarian tongues and he's yeah in, is the venom spreading and stuff he's also in love with nazarene isn't he there's a it's love thing that suddenly comes a bit out of nowhere but it, they just about get away with it yeah pretty much yeah yeah uh, and then you've got mo who's the guy that gets captured and stuff those guys i thought did okay i, th- I thought as you know as, as act especially nazarene when she forms that quite a good friendship with the doctor as they go through the story Hmm. Um, any complaints from your side? No, no, actually, no. I thought the supporting cast were, were decent, yeah. I was a little bit worried about Ambrose at the start. She seemed a little bit, um, a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
not as good as an actor as the rest. So at the beginning, she just seemed a little bit amateur. That's the word I thought at the start. But actually, she was she got better. I don't, I don't really have any complaints about the, the cast mm. at all. I mean, even young Samuel Davis as, as Elliot, the kid, I thought he was fairly decent. Because um, sometimes, you know, the younger actors, they, they, they could be a bit cringy and awful. But, <laughs> I mean, he, he wasn't too bad. Um, no, I really don't have any complaints at all. I thought Tony was good. I I agree with you. I like the relationship between um, Nazreen and the Doctor, especially when she's like, I'm coming in the TARDIS. He's like, no, you're not. Oh, come on then. And all that sort of, you know, that sort of comedy between the two was quite fun. So, yeah, no complaints about the supporting cast at all, really. Um, yeah, I thought it was decent. There's a nice shot of the Doctor and uh, Ambrose in that archway at the end as well. Mm. You know, those two together. So, no, no complaints from the supporting cast, really. Yeah. Did a decent job. Mm. Yeah, good. And what about the Silurians then? So we've spoken about Eldane, Stephen Moore. He was the, the two of them. So um, Malika and Eldane, the kind of elder Silurians. Uh, they're kind of similar in character. I think it's why Eldane went off to get him <laughs> to try yeah. and stop um, Rastek. Uh, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think those guys were pretty good, especially Richard Hope. I thought his character was really good. He's the guy that um, that does the voiceover weird bit <laughs> in yeah, episode two. Yeah, he's the one who gets killed, isn't he? Is he? He's the one that she shoots, the Silurian shoots him. Because I was thinking, why kill him? Does that seem really unnecessary? Um, you know, the main Silurian, female Silurian that's sort of leading the whole thing. Uh, she just turns around and shoots him, doesn't she? at one point, and I, th- I thought that was a little sad, a little unnecessary, because <laughs> uh, I quite yeah. liked him. I thought he was a good character, and I, I also liked uh, Stephen Moore, who we spoke about earlier, who sadly just passed away. Um, I thought his performance was nice, quite understated. Um, he was, you know, more s- sort of serious than the rest, so yeah, I thought both of those were good. Yeah, no, they yeah. were good, yeah. Mm. And then we had, so it was quite clever the way they did all the other Silurians, because they kept their those metal masks on so they mm. didn't have to have all the makeup applied to all of their face. So that uh, was yeah. quite, that was quite clever. But, uh, and then we have Neve McIntosh who played wow. both parts. She played Alea and Restak. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And she comes back as, um, what's, what's the, what's the Peyton Ostra gang? The Peyton, she yeah. Called? She comes back as what's her face. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, what's her, What's the character that she comes back as? Can't remember. Um, <laughs> so, can, yeah. I love that. Yeah, just moving on. Madam Vastra, isn't it? That's right. Uh, Vastra. That's Vastra. The one. So she With comes Jenny back and... as Vastra later on. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I thought, again, uh, pretty decent um there's some quite good chilling moments with the silurians i think when like the bit when um they just stood there still on their little launch pads and you're sort of almost expecting them to suddenly come alive but they don't so moments like that are pretty good they're quite quite creepy in parts i think but then again th- and then you get the scene like i said later on when they seem useless like there's 10 of them surrounding the doctor and that and they can't fire a gun for I can't say the word because it's naughty, but you know, I mean, they can't, they I can't even shoot money. straight and yeah. they manage to escape from us. So it's, they're, they're a bit undermined, I think, in that <laughs> later scene. But yeah. no, generally pretty good. I thought the Silurians, all, you know, all the performances were pretty good. They yeah. did did what they needed to do, quite menacing. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And Neve McIntosh was, um, well, she was, she is good. She is good as, um, as a Silurian. What about Amy and Rory then? 
because we've spoken about those guys a little bit, but they were they were good in this, but uh, not too much to do really. I mean, Amy gets captured and and then she gets rescued and then she gets assigned to do the negotiation talks and stuff. But mm. especially Rory, Rory got a bit sidelined. I thought. I think this is the problem actually. Because I think we, they're a great TARDIS team. I love the 11th Doctor, Amy Rory. I think the chemistry between those three people is brilliant. Um, I always enjoy it. I think the humour between Rory and the Doctor's good and all that stuff. But it, it is often the case um, that they don't seem to, the writers don't seem to know what to do with them. And they often write Amy is the same, so she's always moaning. Like at the start of the episode, she's moaning because she was wanting to go on holiday, but she's oh, she's got to help save the planet first. You know what I mean? It's, sometimes I just think, oh, they're a bit lazy with the writing with these. Um, it starts off quite good for Rory, like the whole stuff when he gets, you know, taken by the mum. Quick, you know, come and look at this grave, and there's some interesting stuff for him at the start and some good humour. Uh, but then again, yeah, then he just sort of gets pushed into the background a bit, whereas. Amy sort of comes into the forefront in the second episode when she's trying to escape and she's, you know, like nicks the guy's um, little device which frees them all. So she gets a good moment, but then again, it's she's just kind of given nothing to do after that. So um, nothing wrong with their performances. I think uh, Arthur Delver was always good with the sort of comedic looks and <laughs> dialogue that he's given. Um, Karen uh, given a standard performance, nothing amazing but good. Um, but yeah, just as usual, they just don't, the writers just don't seem to know what to do with the characters. Um, it's always nice when we get scenes with the three of them together. I think that, you know, we always get some nice dialogue and, and stuff there, but as soon as they split up, they just seem to get lost in the story really, but nothing, yeah, yeah, nothing, no complaints about their actual performance though. No, I, thought, no, I agree. I thought they were good. They're always very likable, I think. Yeah. And this one they are. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and we've spoken about Matt Smith. But just to reiterate, just great, great performance as always. Yeah, I, I, I really like, I just really like Matt. I mean, this is his first season. Um, I mean, I, I just kept thinking back to when we were reviewing um, that one recently, which was the first story you recorded and how good he was in it straight off the bat. Um, so I don't know where this came in terms of production, um, but it feels to me like he's absolutely the Doctor. Uh, even though it's his first season, he just seems to be. As I said to you earlier, I love the fact that he just walks in and he's straight into the whatever's going on. Right, what's happening here? I just love that. Yeah, Takes control yeah. of the room straight away. Um, in terms of the Doctor and his performance, I just I just think he's he's great. Really, really likable. I, I love Matt's Doctor. Really, really do. Yep, he's amazing. Mm. Every and time great I watch in him. that end that end bit as well. I I really do love the last five minutes. Yeah. You know, when he's, she's like, don't, what are you doing? Don't put your arm in there. And he's like, come on, let's, what's, you know, let's live a little and all this. He's great at doing that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and I don't know about you. I, I couldn't remember what happened. I was like, God, does he get sucked in? What goes on here? Um, and then he brings out a bit of the TARDIS. It's, uh, you know, it's brilliant stuff. I I still just get the feeling the moth wrote that. Those last of course, five minutes, yeah. so. of course. What yeah. happens to Rory, by the way? I genuinely can't remember. He, he's um, shot. He's dead. He's sucked into the crack. Does he end up at the Pandorica or something? Yeah. Well, how does he? How does he come back into it? Well, we don't know. So yeah, a few episodes later, the Pandorica opens. Episode, I think. Is this he, about he, the fifth time he's been shot? Or is that is this is this early days? This is he gets yeah. killed off about ten times, doesn't he? Yeah. So he turns up as one of those Roman centurions. Yeah. Who guards the? Uh, 
something to do with the Pandorica. And the Doctor seems bewildered. He can't explain how Rory is back. So, yeah, I don't think we get an explanation as to why he's back at that particular time, at that episode. Right. But, yeah, but we don't see have, him for a few episodes. No, I might have to do a bit of a, when we've, at some point, might have to do a bit of a Series 5 rewatch. Because I think it does feel... It does feel like the Moffat had a sort of a fairly decent beginning to end idea in his head. Mm. Like it, I think when I go back and rewatch it, I think it'll flow better than I remember yeah. like watching yeah. it each week, trying to piece it together. Whereas I think series six gets very muddled. Um, this one, I felt like it, he definitely sort of had knew where he was going with certain elements like that. He knew he was going to bring Rory back and stuff and, yeah, but I, I just can't remember. I know he, I know he's a Cy, not a Silurian. I know he's a Centurion at some point, but mm. I just couldn't remember how it all yeah. clicks back. What do you think about the Doctor? Like, so <laughs> obviously Rory has an engagement ring, doesn't he? Which is the which falls on the Tardis floor when the Doctor's oh, yeah. trying to get Amy to remember Rory, but obviously he gets sucked into the crack and her memory of him is erased. So she's forgotten Rory by the end of this story, and the Doctor's like. Obviously, I know we're going into the next one now, but it seems to me like the Doctor just, well, okay, let's just, he just carries on as if Rory never existed. I'm like, it's a bit harsh, that, isn't it? It's a bit cold. Yeah. But what else can he do, I suppose? But yeah, I was going to say, I think he hides the ring, I assume. He just takes the ring and Mm -hmm. doesn't tell her about it. And I don't know. I think he has to. I think if he tries to mull on that stuff, because how he can't explain it to, to Amy, can he? He can't really because she can. It's kind of it's it's done in a in a good way where she all of a sudden wakes up and she has no recollection at all of him. Mm. So for him to start banging on about this guy Rory and stuff without knowing exactly how to get him back into her memory, he's kind of wasting his time a little bit, isn't he? So he yeah, has no I choice but to to just crack, crack on. on. But yeah, yeah, I did think I think there's, a, but I kind of like that because that's the sort of manipulative side of the doctor that's always there in just in the background they're like the seventh doctor and ace and he does have that side to his character which um i think sort of comes into play a little bit here yeah Uh, so i quite like that but yeah a bit like you i was intrigued to watch the next episode to see how rory came back into it and then when i started to watch um vince and the doctor i remembered that no no it's it's not this one he comes back into it we don't find out for another whatever episodes yet yeah um but i like the timey-wimey-ness of because I don't always like the timey-wimey-ness, but I like the fact that they were waving to each other at the start and then Amy sees just herself at the end. And she's like, oh, I'm waving to myself. And she's like, oh, I could have swore I saw someone else. And <laughs> I did like that. Yeah. I really did like that scene. Those little, those little, yeah, timey-wimey, it can get a little bit... Well, it was simple, wasn't it? It wasn't careful. trying to do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just a simple... Because, again, this comes back to Matt's lovely performance like at the start he gets out these little binoculars and he's like he can't quite believe it and he's like what hang on a minute what <laughs> you know all that stuff all those sort of things that he does i just love all that stuff yeah yeah i concur my good man mm. right scores yeah this is difficult for me yeah i found this a, a puzzler to put a score on this one it's you to go first though so yeah well it's weird because i've this is why i'm struggling right so hungry earth i rated 7.5 out of 10 quite okay. enjoyed that one mm-hmm. then i got to uh, this one, and I rated it a 5.5 out of 10. So it's a quite a big divide there. So do I go in the middle? Am I a 6.5 or uh, an overall score, I mean? Mm-hmm. 6.5 or 7? I don't know. I really like that first part. 
Uh, I think I'm a, I think I'm a seven, but is, is it that good? I don't know. I'll go seven. Seven. You're going to go I'll seven. I'll go seven. Well, I, I did think the first one was good, and the second one, although it's not great, it's still quite watchable. So, I don't okay. know, seven good. too high? Ooh. What are you going? Yeah, so I had a similar dilemma. So, mm. for The Hungry Earth, I had that as an eight. Oh, right. Yeah, and then Cold Blood, I had that as a 6.5. Okay. So I'm going to have to go in the middle somewhere. So I'm going to give it. I want to give it a seven point five. Seven point. Okay. Well, I'll give it a seven then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that's fair. So I think. Yeah. I think um, we're in agreement there that the first part's definitely stronger, um, but the second part just lacks a bit of substance, I guess. Yeah. It, it it does. It just doesn't feel. It feels a bit lightweight and a bit un unsatisfactory. Yeah. Unfulfilling. Yeah. yeah. That's the word. <laughs> what did our lovely listeners think? We had a couple of audio clips in. The first one, this is our regular reviewer. Never misses a week, old Sammy. Sammy from Down Under. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, the hungry earth, cold blood, the return of the Silurians. I like this story. The Silurian doctor slash scientist, I like him. Neve McIntosh's lay at the Silurian, not her best known Silurian, Madame Vastra, whom we meet next series, is very good. Though this is essentially Doctor Who and the Silurians with a happier ending. I like the Silurian cave system. Amy is quite good. And oh my goodness, they killed Rory. Well, they erased him from time. Poor Rory. I give it seven Silurians out of ten. See ya. Seven. Seven Silurians, same as me. Yeah. And yeah, nearly you. <laughs> yeah, nearly, yeah. Hmm. Thank you very much, Sammy. Uh, seven there. Let's go on to Luke Malloy. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you're having a good show this week. Uh, the Hungry Earth. I always surprisingly enjoy this one more than I think I will. Amy getting sucked into the ground is really done quite ethically. I really enjoy mm. that scene. Uh, and the capturing a monster scene as well is really good. But there's little neat ideas as well. The slingshot, Matt Smith's thermal sunglasses, and them seeing themselves on the hill, seeing all the versions of themselves, which is still possible with the ending that they get. And in my mind, happens sometime during the Power Free. I'd like to see a spin-off novelisation of that. Uh, Cold Blood, the Silorian City looks amazing and pretty much makes the episode. The effects are really good for every scene set in the city. Uh, the evil Silorians are cool and the ending is so good and so dark with the Doctor dragging Amy away as Rory's erased from time. Oh, it's dark and it's fab. Um, overall, an 8 out of 10. It's always better than I think it is and I just love this era this Matt Smith era of Doctor Who. Thanks again. Eight out of ten. He's got yeah. That's a very good point about the I, the scene with Amy getting sucked into the earth was fantastic. I think that's what really drew me into episode one. I was like, this is this is really good stuff. Why have I not watched this again? Mm. Yeah, yes. better than I remembered as well. So yeah, I agree with you, Luke. Yes. Yeah. Cheers for that, Luke. Uh, okay, over on Twitter, Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, says, mm. uh, it's quite a good story, not brilliant in my opinion, but not the worst two-parter I saw from the Moff era. Brings the Silurians back in an enjoyable way and shows both the good and bad sides of humanity and the Silurians. I really liked Nazarene, though, and wish she was a companion. She was cool. She was up for it. Yeah, she, she might have been yeah. interested because there was a good bit of rapport between her and Matt. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, Jack... Um, at Hoovernear says, uh, Series 5 is my favourite series, and this is one of the main reasons why. Amazing two-parter, great casting, and Mira Sile, uh, a very modern and very different version of the 1970s Silurian, executed perfectly, very controversial, but 9.5. 
Oh, right. Yeah, yeah good. Very high score. Edward Galuli says, disappointing story that does not do justice in either design nor story to the much-anticipated return of the Silurians. Matt Smith is, per usual, is the best thing by a mile, a six out of mm-hmm. ten. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin yeah. Darnick 100 uh, says, not my favourite, nor, nor is it the best Silurian story ever, but it has a lot of good moments in it. The Silurians making a return are used like they should be and are used really well in the story. It's creepy and scary. One of Chibnall's best writing for Who, eight out of ten. Mm. Uh, Rick Moran says, uh, I wasn't fond of part one. Uh, I was bored of most of it and the same for part two. Watching it, I keep thinking we've been here before, nothing original. The action scenes are pretty good, but overall it's just unsatisfying. It was too long, over two episodes, a five out of ten. I agree, nothing original, Rick. Yeah, certainly that's what I mean about Chibbers. It's not exactly an original story, but yeah. Yes. Uh, Genesis of Androzani says, Mm, typical average Chibnall stuff. Yeah. Uh, Basically a copy and paste of the Silurians, but without any of the parts that made the original brilliant. (laughs) Uh, Instead of what you get is dry, bland and meaningless. Only parts that bump it up are the performances of Smith and crew, a 6.5. Game Troller, uh, Game Troller, Prime says hints of 13's <laughs> character here in 11 uh, way too goofy but then takes normal issues and takes them way too serious is actually stupid in some scenes um, like the kid uh, tries to hammer home the positive message uh, that doesn't connect oh dear mm-hmm. I thought that was a lovely scene with the kid actually yeah. and he was saying yeah. about his dad but mm. yes. uh, and then over on Facebook uh, we had uh, Lawrence Baxter says uh, hi guys great to have you back I love Cheers. series 5 and tend to be a bit uncritical of it as I remember liking all of it when it was being broadcast this one always makes me uh, always feels like a comfortable watch without being that special um, he goes on to say uh, on the all time scale of Chibnall episodes this is near the top for me uh, but a 6.5 uh, Charlie Turner these are quite long reviews on Facebook by the way so I'm only going to read a bit of them out um, but Charlie Turner says coming from a series that's a favourite of mine it's just rather average even though the similarities between Doctor Who and the Solarians, uh, but they can uh, but can they really not think of a better idea for a storyline mm. that involves Silurians goes on to say um, uh, uh, anyway not Chibnall's strongest work but not like his weakest so far Cough, cough, the Saranga conundrum. Uh, <laughs> it gives it a 5.5 out of 10. Miles McKenzie, this is my guilty pleasure. There's something about this episode which I really like, but I can't put my finger on it. Matt's performance is amazing and one of his best for me. I totally forgot Rory died in this rewatch. Overall, uh, it's a 7.5. Mm. And Jeff Waddle says, promising start, but an awful resolution of peace talks. And it went nowhere. Uh, give me the cave monsters any day, uh, which is really what this is done, uh, which is, hold on, which is really what this is with the dome and the daemons thrown in. Oh, yeah. Um, I would rather have seen giant maggots turn up. Uh, future <laughs> Amy and Rory, what was that about? The cliffhanger to the Silurian city at the end was poorly realized and goes on to give it a two out of ten. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Me. <laughs> uh, thank you so much guys for your reviews really mm. um, insightful to hear what uh, fandom's thinking about these as we rewatch them it's all good uh, next week we are back to another series from Doctor Who what we review next week buddy so next week yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this actually so next week it's Sarah Jane Adventures and uh, we are reviewing The Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith 
Ah, back to Sarah Jane. Yeah, I, I've, I've not seen this one, and I I know it's regarded as good um, because I think a certain Mr. Tennant turns up in this one, <laughs> um, but I haven't seen it ever. And no. uh, yeah. and it's Sarah Jane, and we're loving it. So I'm, I I don't want to get too excited because I don't want to be like too disappointed or anything. But I am really looking forward to watching that next week. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is all fresh for us, so it's great to be watching these. Yes, and reviewing them. So all good. Uh, so yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap there, dude. For two, four, three. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to episode 243. Some really interesting news with the merch. We'll see what happens with that new retailer here in the UK. The Time Meddlers will keep you updated on what they come up with. It sounds good. And uh, yes, it was really good to talk through Matt Smith again. I feel like we haven't done Matt Smith in a while, so it's really good to watch one of his stories. Um, But generally middle of the road for that. Uh, in terms of your reviews and thank you so much for all your thoughts and reviews by the way really really good Uh, next week as Adam said the wedding of Sarah Jane Smith so get that watched because we'll be asking for your thoughts on that too in the meantime head over to our website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our shows on there and we're also on all of the podcast networks so Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher um all of those networks whatever you listen to just do a search for us give us a subscribe so you don't miss a show when they land every friday and we're also on the socials as well twitter facebook and instagram just do a search of the big blue box podcast you'll find us on there we chat doctor who throughout the week so get involved over there and remember to check out my co-host's YouTube channel, The Geeks Handbag. Handbag. Yeah, The Geeks Handbag. Give Adam a sub over there. Loads and loads of really cool videos. You'll get lost for hours going through <laughs> his uh, videos. Really cool stuff. And Adam's also on the socials yeah. under the same name, The Geeks Handbag. Just give him a like and a follow and stuff over there. Uh, have a good week. We will see you next time for episode 244. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, a. Hey. Hey.